Last week we ended talking about how Pinchas became a hero as he came in and stopped the plague by killing the man and the woman that were bringing sin into the camp. It's interesting when you think about that, how an act of violence, an act of killing two people made this man a hero. So much so that this week's parasha is named for him. We're going to start off in Ecclesiastes chapter 1 and verse 2. And according to the TLV, we read, Futile, futile, says Kohelet. Completely meaningless. Everything is futile. What does a person gain in all his labor that he toils under the sun? A generation comes and a generation goes, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun sets and hurries back to the place it rises. The wind goes toward the south and circles around to the north. Round and round it swirls about, ever returning to its circuits. All the rivers float into the sea, yet the sea is never full. To the place where the rivers flow, there they go again. All things are wearisome. No one can express them. The eye is never satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. What has been, what will be, and what has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. Is there anything about which it is said, Look, this is new. It was already there. It was already here long ago. In the ages long before us. There is no remembrance for former things, and things yet to come will not be remembered by those who follow. I mean, almost everybody knows verse 9. What has been will, is what will be. And what has been done will be done again. There's nothing new under the sun. I mean, how many times have we heard that quoted? We might refer it in today's vernacular as deja vu. I've seen this somewhere before. Yeah, because it happened before. It's still happening. Whatever will happen has already happened. So in our parasha, in Pinchas, Israel has been in the wilderness Almost a whole 40 years now. We have yet to see them cross over into the promised land. But we've seen the first generation of everyone that came out of Egypt that rejected God's instructions, the ones that he's concluded that they would not enter the promised land. This portion shows us that they're, they're dying off. That older generation is almost completely gone. In addition to that, God extended that faith, fate to Moses and Aaron because of their lack of faith and their disobedience to his commands. And we've talked about that before, that it wasn't so much what Moses did, it's what he didn't do. It's not that he struck the rock instead of speaking to the rock, it's that he didn't follow God's instructions. So he was disobedient. And we talked about how Aaron was just as culpable because he was Moses' advisor. And he didn't stop him from doing what he did. So Aaron has already died in this parsha. We find that the original leaders of the people are also dying off. 
Joshua and Caleb are still alive. Why is that? Because they came back with a favorable report. Pinchas is not only a relatively unknown at this time, but he also becomes a leader. So we, who would he know about him? Of course, he's the grandson of Aaron, a high priest. He's the son of Eleazar, the priest. But until now, he's just another one of the Israelites. No one of any great importance. But he makes a dramatic appearance. And we read about that again, like I said, the last nine verses of Balak. And God was angry because of the Israelite men being seduced by the Midianite women. And they were causing the men to what? Worship their gods. So God brought that plague. So continuing to review, if we look at Numbers chapter 25, verses 6 through 8, it says, Then behold, a man from Bnei Israel came and brought a Midianite woman to his brothers before the eyes of Moses and the whole assembly of Israel while they were weeping at the tent at the entrance of the tent of meeting. When Pinchas, the son of Elisar, the son of Aharon, the Kohen, saw it, he arose from the midst of the assembly, took a spear in his hand, and went after the man of Israel into the tent and pierced them through, both the Israelite man and the woman's belly. Then the plague among B'nai Israel was stopped. Before we move forward, think about that for a moment. What do you imagine the people were doing in front of the tabernacle weeping? They were praying. They were praying for relief from this plague that had come upon them because of the actions of many of the men. What arrogance, huh? What indignation. Right there in front of the tabernacle, as they're weeping and praying, this man had the audacity to bring this woman to the tent right in front of them. Well, this became a little bit too much for Pinchas to ignore. So that's when he acted. He rose up, ran his spear through them both, and the plague was immediately stopped. Hmm. So who was this guy? Who's Pinchas? Besides being the grandson of Aaron, the son of Eleazar. Who was he? Because in Scripture, we don't read a lot about him before this happened. But we have to kind of look at what the commentators said to give us a clue as to who he really was. Rashi says that Pinchas was not a priest and ordinarily would never become a priest. Because even though his grandfather was a high priest and his father was a priest, and at this time, his father became the high priest because of the death of Aaron. But the reason that Pinchas wasn't a priest, according to Rashi, is because he was born after his father was appointed as a priest. And the rule that only sons born to priest after the priest was appointed as a priest could become priest after him. Well, back in Exodus 6.25... During the time Moses was dealing with Pharaoh, Pinchas was born. Well, obviously, his father was not a priest yet. Not only was he already born as a child, he was brought out of Egypt with the rest of the Israelites. 
That might stir up some thoughts. Okay, wait, he was part of the he was part of the generation that left. Hmm. Is he going to die? Let's see. And according to Rashi, this is what disqualified Pinchas from ever entering the priesthood. But because of his actions during this plague that God brought upon the people, we see that God rewarded him in Numbers 25, beginning at verse 10. Then Adonai spoke to Moses, saying, Pinchas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aharon the Kohen, has turned away my anger from Bnei Israel because he was very zealous for me among them, so that I did not put an end to Bnei Israel in my zeal. So now say, see, I am making a covenant with him, a covenant of shalom. It shall be for him and his descendants after him a covenant of an everlasting, what? Priesthood. Because he was zealous for his God and atoned for B'nai Israel. So according to Rashi, although Pinchas was not in line to become the priest, God appointed him to the priesthood. According to Joshua 22, Pinchas entered the land of Canaan with the rest of the Israelites and he succeeded his father, becoming the third high priest. He was rewarded because of his faithfulness to the instructions that God gave to Israel. So both Pinchas and his father entered into the promised land. Because of all that Pinchas did, he did the right thing. So that was an exception to the rule that that entire generation that came out of Egypt needed to die. All because of his actions. Now, I said this last week, and it bears repeating. There are Bilams in our world. And we need to recognize through discernment who they are, and what their intentions are. I went on to say that their intentions, of course, are to destroy us, to destroy the believers of the Most High God. That's what their purpose is. Well, this week I say we need some Pinchases too. People who will overlook the fear and intimidation of evil in this world and to be bold and courageous in doing what is just and what is right in the eyes of God. Look at our nation alone. Don't worry about the rest of the world. Just look at our nation. Some have said that the signs of the times and the moral collapse of our society is how they refer to what's going on now. The signs and times and the moral collapse of our society, but what's bringing it about? Evil and not standing against it. That's why the collapse of our society is happening right before our very eyes. But we have hope. We have a hope of the return of Yeshua to deliver us. As Solomon said, we just read it. There's nothing new under the sun. In this day and age that we live today, we're faced with some many of the same adversities that the Israelites faced in the desert, especially during this parasha. And they were preparing to go to battle Battles that would actually lead them into conquer and take possession of the land that God promised to them. Do you think they were 
all that bold and fearless? I think they're a bit afraid. They needed encouragement. It took someone like Pinchas to encourage them to be bold and do what God said. See, they were entering a land where the people didn't yield to God's authority. I mean the people in the land, the Canaanites. They worshipped non-gods. They offered human sacrifices to those non-gods. They they perverted sex, which God instituted for holy purposes. They used all these things in their pagan religiosity and in their religious practices. That's a people that were practicing things that God called an abomination. The exact opposite of what we're supposed to be doing. But if we look in our world today, we see some of those same abominations. (laughs) Drive down Harbor Boulevard. Yeah, see? Everybody has met it. You know what I'm talking about. It's there. And that's just one street. You can name other streets and it was the same thing. Perversion. So, in a way, in a little bit smaller way, because we're not going into a huge battle physically, but we should be preparing to fight that battle. The one that leads up to Messiah's return. Because that's what we're anticipating. That's what we're hoping will happen any day now. Any moment now. It's a day that we've been preparing for in our praises, in our prayers. And before I go any further, let me say this. We're not called to kill everyone that doesn't follow the Lord. Okay? Matter of fact, guess what? We're called to love them. We're called to love them. Regardless of their rejection of God and His Torah. He loves them just like He loves us. He loves them the way He loved us before we came to faith. And I can only let you imagine in your own minds how you used to be. Because I can imagine in mine how I used to be. But we are headed for a, toward a great spiritual battle. So we do need to be prepared for it. How do we prepare ourselves? By studying, by praying, by being there on our knees, on our faces, interceding for others. Now, Mouse read this morning the Haftarah from Jeremiah, which is the assigned parsha for this particular Shabbat. However, the regular Haftarah for Pinchas would be 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 46 through 1921. And we read about how by the power of God, Elijah was victorious in killing all the prophets of Baal. But in chapter 19, verse 3, we find Elijah was what? Running for his life. Wait a minute. God just directed him in his actions and in his deeds, his words, to kill all these prophets of the false god, or again, the non-god. 
But now he's running for his life. How many of us would be any different, though? You finished doing that battle, and now a decree has been gone out against you, in this case Elijah, to kill you, kill him. So after God gave him this mighty victory, he ran like a scared little child. But that's what we all become when we're faced with adversity. So guess what? I say that as a bit of a negative thing, but that actually should be an encouragement to us to know that even one of the greatest prophets ever to live had their moments of human weakness. Even when we have our moments of fear, then when we exhibit that same measure of faithfulness that Elijah showed, that's something that we can all succeed in. The Ruach, the Holy Spirit, is here to lead us and guide us, to direct us, and show us what we're supposed to do, tell us what we're supposed to do. He's speaking on behalf of God the Father and Yeshua. So every believer today has the same ability as Elijah did to stand against evil, to stand against the prophets of the non-gods. When we make the choice to trust in him, to follow him, we take on responsibilities. But we also take on the ability to be just like him. We were created in God's image. In the first century, there was only a small remnant of Israel that answered God's call to follow Yeshua. We can see the numbers in the book of Acts. In Romans chapter 11, beginning at verse 1, Rav Shaul, the Apostle Paul says, I say then, God has not rejected his people, has he? May it never be. For I too am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not rejected his people whom he knew beforehand? Or do you not know what the scripture says about Elijah? How he pleads with God against Israel? Adonai, they have killed your prophets. They have destroyed your altars. I alone am left, and they are seeking my life. But what is the divine response to him? I have kept for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal, So in the same way also at this present time, there has come to be a remnant according to God's gracious choice. So even though majority of Israel in the first century did not follow Yeshua, did not accept the salvation he brought to his people, there was a remnant. There's still a remnant today. Much of that remnant, and, and no, I'm not, trying to promote any particular group, any particular organization. Let me just say it's that this remnant is found in the Messianic movement as a whole. Here in the 21st century, there's an even greater number of the children of Israel who have not, matter of fact, some even refusing to, except Yeshua. 
the followers of Yeshua today like us, particularly the Jewish believers, that remnant of today, not only have an opportunity, but they have an obligation to carry out their divine destiny. Now, we can read it in the Brit Hadashah, what Peter and John and many others began to do back there in the first century. There are many more numbers today. So there's a greater ability, which means there's a greater responsibility to be witnesses for Yeshua. We talk about this all the time. That we're not to be enclosed between four walls. We're supposed to carry the message out into our neighborhoods, to our families. The hardest part, even those who don't want to hear it. Because it's not our responsibility to choose who's going to hear us and who's not. It's their responsibility to accept or not. But within that, those witnesses for Yeshua, it includes many, the many Gentiles who have joined themselves as part of the remnant. We've all become part of the Messianic movement. And our purpose is to spread the good news. One day, may it be soon, Lord, this remnant will become a multitude. And it will be the fulfillment of what Rav Shaul said in Romans chapter 11, verses 25 through 27, when he said, For I do not want you, brothers and sisters, to be ignorant of this mystery, lest you be wise in your own eyes, that a partial hardening has come upon Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And in this way, all Israel will be saved. As it is written, The Deliverer shall come out of Zion. He shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. And this is my covenant with them, when I take away their sins. Again, it's not up to us to take away people's sins. It's just up to us to spread the good news. Then it's on them to accept and the Holy Spirit to work in their hearts. If you remember in John chapter 17, verse 16, Yeshua was praying to the Father and He said, They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. How many have heard the phrase, and you see bumper stickers and window stickers, not of this world. Well, it's become more of a catchphrase. What does it mean, not of this world? It needs to be more than just a catchphrase. It needs to be something that inspires us to do more. Okay, if we're not of this world, what world are we of and what are we supposed to do as a part of that world, the kingdom world? What are we supposed to do? We're not of this world, so we don't do the things of this world. But what does it mean? See, it's time for us to increase our commitment to serving God. It's time for us to do more in being witnesses of Yeshua to others. It's time for us to become more fervent in prayer. Shameful plug. 9.20, every Shabbat morning, intercessory prayer in the nursery. Become more fervent in prayer. 
It's time for us to become that remnant that Rav Shaul was talking about. It's time for the Pinchases of our time to rise up, to be revealed, and to act. Again, I'm not saying take a spear to anybody. Okay? You did not hear me say that. You did not hear me say that. But are we ready to fulfill our destiny? If not, why not? And when will we be? Are we ready to become that remnant in the days we're living in today? Again, if not, why not? And when will we be? See, most of us living today, whether Jew or Gentile, we're not born into the priesthood. But just like God himself appointed Pinchas, he has also appointed us. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 through 5 says, As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men but chosen by God and precious, you also, as living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Messiah Yeshua. As believers in Yeshua, who is our high priest, both Jew and Gentile, male and female, we're God's priesthood for this generation. Again, if not us, who? Who's going to speak to the lost if it's not us? Think about that for a moment. Now listen carefully to what Peter said in his second letter. And let these words penetrate and maybe become an inspiration to you. Second Peter chapter 1, beginning at verse 3. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and virtue. Through these things He has given us His precious and magnificent promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature since you have escaped the corruption that evil desires have brought into this world. Now, for this very reason, making every effort, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, patience, and to patience, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly love, and to brotherly love, love. For if these qualities are in you and increasing, they keep you from becoming idle and unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Yeshua, the Messiah. But anyone who lacks these qualities is blind, nearsighted because he has forgotten his cleansing from past sins. Therefore, brothers and sisters, make all the more effort to make your calling and election certain. For if you keep doing these things, you will never stumble. For in this way, enter into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Savior Messiah Yeshua, will be richly provided for you. So we have become that remnant today. We are part of the hundreds and thousands who have not bowed our knees to the Baals of today, the false gods, the non-gods. It's us who are the Pinchases of our time. Again, I am not saying that we should all take up a spear 
and kill all the godless and evil in the world around us, because that would be irresponsible for me to say, and it would be murder. Okay, That's not what God ordained for us to do. But we, have to, we need to have that zeal and that drive for righteousness. That zeal and that drive that caused Pinchas to stand up for what was right. To stand up against what was wrong and what was evil. We need to not be afraid like Elijah was. But be encouraged and motivated like Pinchas. Now we could be a little bit like Elijah before he ran off for fearing his life because he boldly stood up and he killed the prophets of Baal. First Kings chapter 19, verse 13 says, As soon as Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle, went out, and stood at the entrance of the cave. All of a sudden, a voice addressed him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? What are we doing here today? We know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God told Moses back, if we look ahead to Deuteronomy chapter 31, beginning of verse 6, Chazak, be courageous. Do not be afraid or tremble before them. For Adonai your God, He is the one who goes before, goes with you. He will not fail you or abandon you. Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the sight of all Israel, Be strong, be courageous, for you are to go with this people into the land Adonai has sworn to their fathers to give them. And you are to enable them to inherit it. Adonai, he is the one who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not fail you or abandon you. Do not fear or be discouraged. Now, you could say, well, Moses was speaking to Joshua. How does that apply to me today? Well, we can rely on the fact that because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, these words would apply to us. And Acts chapter 10, as I close, beginning at verse 34, Then Peter opened his mouth and said, I truly understand that God is not one to show favoritism, but in every nation the one who fears him and does right what is right is acceptable to him. Every nation, everyone, God is not showing favoritism to anyone. He is not showing favoritism to Pinchas. He's not showing favoritism to Joshua. It extends to those that live today. You and I. And all of those within the Messianic movement. All of those believers in the Most High God. All of those who, of us that hold the responsibility of going forth into the world to deliver this good news. The Son of God. Yeshua, our Messiah, is coming soon. Today, I don't know. Tomorrow, I don't know. Next week, I don't know. But that doesn't matter. I'm supposed to do now and today what He has instructed me to do. We're all to do what He's instructed us to do until the day He does come. Are you ready? Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, we do thank You. And we praise You because You have given Your Word to us so that we can know what You desire from us. 
so that we can know what you require of us. It's a great responsibility. But like Rav Shaul told Timothy, the only way we're going to do it is we have to study to show ourselves approved unto you, Lord. A workman that's not going to be ashamed and rightly dividing, understanding the word of truth. That word of truth that was given us by you, through your prophets, through the disciples. We pray that the Ruach HaKodesh is so precious to us, will show us new ways to do what we need to do. I pray that you would breathe into us a fresh life. that we will be steadfast, that we will be bold, that we will be strong, that we will be encouraged to do what we have to do in this corrupt world that we live in. And we know one thing, Lord. We can only do it one at a time. It's not about addressing the thousands, the multitudes, but each person that we, each and every one of us come into contact with Let the words be those words that you would speak. Let those words penetrate their very souls and their hearts that they will appreciate what Yeshua did for them, just like we do. Lord, you are great. You are greatly to be praised. There's none like you, O Lord. Thank you for giving us strength. Thank you for giving us your Ruach, the Shem Yeshua. Amen.